Blog Talk Radio. Conjurman of ConjurmanConsulting.com in Mission Viejo, California. This week, we will welcome our special guest, John St. Germain of JohnStGermain.com in Knoxville, Tennessee, bringing us today's topic on magic beans and seeds. They will take your calls and offer advice to address, ameliorate, and remediate your questions and problems about love, money, career, and spiritual protection using traditional African-American folk magic practices of hoodoo, conjure, and root work as defined and prescribed by the greatest spiritual hoodoos of our time. You can learn a lot just by listening, but if you're selected from among those who have signed up at the Lucky Mojo Forum at forum.luckymojo.com and called into the show, then you'll be on the air and receive a free consultation. We'll be going to the phones in just a moment, but first let's catch up with our co-hosts, Catherine Ironwood and Conjurman. Ms. Kat? Hi. Thanks for being our announcer. Absolutely. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Running around, but... uh, made it here in time for the for the show so things are going well <laughs> all right well i noticed you were very soft on your intro and now you're louder so whatever you're doing now do that again <laughs> later when you announce okay got it all right nice loud voices we want to keep everything kind of even well i know that um you've been doing a lot of stuff lately so give us just a little catch up on where you're at and what you've been doing for clients and customers uh, i have been uh working on my um website a lot and uh working on the uh candle ministry that i've started um so hopefully that will join the AISC very soon and um been doing a lot and and went to Papa G's uh folk magic festival that was great we had a great turnout and um Looking forward to continuing to be on the road and stay busy. All right. So when you say on the road, Reverend James, you're going around the southeast pretty much, right? Tennessee, North Carolina, that kind of an area? Yes, ma'am. North Carolina, South Carolina, Tennessee, Georgia, I'm all around that area. (laughs) Make Make sure you put that on your website telling what area you happily serve because people will look for you. If you go as far as Georgia, they'll want to know, right? That's a I good idea considering we're just a thrown throw away. It, it's pretty close. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I get that. Now, if, if you um, – but you see not everybody knows where in North Carolina you are. You <laughs> so, um, so you mentioned your church. Can you just tell us a little bit, are you building a church or a chapel? How is that going to work? So we're planning on putting together a outside, um, kind of like an outbuilding, um, if you're familiar with Reverend John's um, mm-hmm. fabulous um, uh, setup he has. That's kind of something that we're kind of going towards. Um, it's called Folk Faith Ministries, and we kind of, the idea is that we kind of, you know, preserve and 
to uh, bring to light and to to the masses different uh, faiths and and uh, ways of thinking. Folk Faith Ministries, and does it have a website yet? It does, folkfaithministries.com. Well, you just type that into the chat and everyone can read it, all right? Folkfaithministries.com. I I never want anyone to just be an announcer. They've got to talk about themselves. Get up and stand up on your hind legs like a rooster and crow a little bit, you know? (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right, folks. And as soon as you have that building, and then that will be make it eligible to be one of the churches at the Association of Independent Spiritual Churches. And I think right now we have seven churches in our network, and some of them are just a chapel, which means a chapel is attached to or interior to a larger building, like a chapel in a hospital or military base. And um, and a church is one that is independent standing. We, we accept both churches and chapels, and we accept um, any denomination that wants to share with the uh, spiritual church movement. So we we are looking forward, uh, Reverend James, to that. Folk Faith Ministries becoming a member of the AISC. All right. Well, I'm here, and um, you asked how I was doing, and I'm just doing. Um, I'm having a, another wonderful weekend with my very uh, dedicated daughter who has come to help um, – do some remediation of my kitchen, and uh, and her uh, dedicated husband David, who is um, an engineer, and is working out a way to turn an old Freon refrigerator into a new upgraded pantry cupboard. <laughs> so <laughs> it's what it is. They are tearing things apart in my kitchen, and a little bit scary for someone like me who likes antiques but you know we don't need the old freon and dangerous whatever and so it's all going to be very nice now and it will be just it's an antique on the outside and it'll be a a cupboard on the inside and i'm very grateful for them for doing that that's what's new personally what's new on my business end of things I just did a huge upgrade to the website I run called Your Weight and Fate, and that is Y-O-U-R-W-A-T-E-A-N-D-F-A-T-E.com, yourweightandfate.com. It's a website I've been running for a couple of years now on um, fortune-telling systems and and methods of fortune-telling that are the more obscure ones, like fortune-telling with flowers, which some of you know that I have done through watching my Hoodoo Psychics ads, and um, fortune-telling with wheels and spinners, and strange ways of teaching fortune-telling through cigarette trading cards, like, here, smoke all these cigarettes and learn how to read playing cards. So it's a fun site, and if you go to yourweightandfate.com, and you'll find out that it is different looking now. It's gotten very improved because I've done these websites um, with the help of my patrons from Patreon, and they pay $2 a week, and then I have enough money that I can spend the time creating these web pages one one a week. And so now there's enough of them at your weight and fate that they've been open to the public. 
the patrons get one year advance, and then the public comes in a year later and says, huh, I didn't know you were doing that. So <laughs> it's there. Now there's 11 of them, and I think on the 28th, there'll be 12. There'll be a, an even dozen at your weight and fate, and they're on all sorts of topics. Um, you just check it out, and you'll see. And there's also a list of those that are coming up with their due dates for being released to the public. So that's what I've been doing all week, also working on my crazy hypnotism bibliography project, which is um, for Yippie, the Ironwood Institution for the popularization, uh, preservation and popularization of indigenous ethnomagicology. And, uh, Nagashiva and I do bibliographies, and so this is a bibliography on books on hypnotism. And that's going to be um, a, a large project. <laughs> There's a lot of books on hypnotism. All right. Well, let's see what Conjurman has to say. How are things with you, Han? Things are going quite well. Uh, I will say that I'm very excited about the bibliography around hypnotism. Uh, I think all three of us, John, of course, does. All three of us have quite an interest in hypnotism, so this will be really cool. I'm so excited to hear about that. Professionally, I've been quite busy doing mostly remediation work. Um, it's really been a, a, about diagnosis. Uh, I seem to have become the person people come to when uh, nothing else seems to work. <laughs> like I've been doing love spells for years and I'm not getting any love. Or I've been doing money spells for ages and I'm not getting any money. What is going on? Uh, and so it's been it's been uh, enjoyable because I like working with clients and diagnosing what is actually happening and then really developing a plan going forward on how to change their life, how to bring in the good, how to bring in the joy. Radio show before, but who really does have a cosmology which states that the basic state of humanity is one of blessing. That you're supposed to have love, that you're supposed to have money, that you're supposed to be happy, and that when you're not one of those things, something has gone wrong and you can address it. You can try to fix it. So that's been a really working with clients uh, in that regard, really just doing deep dives of their life. Um, I do have one reading, I think, open for uh, next month, and then I'll be booked for uh, a few, for a while. Unfortunately, I do get booked. I shouldn't say unfortunately. I should say fortunately, I get booked several, several weeks in advance. Um, but it is nice to be able to kind of look closely in people's lives and see how fate unfolds. A lot of what root work is about is fundamentally healing, but not just healing of the body. It's healing of a person's life. In fact, anthropologists refer to hoodoo and to similar folk traditions that come out of West and Central Africa as faith healing, not faith healing, not th, but faith healing, F-A-T-E healing, by which we mean that something has gone wrong in your fate and your destiny and the root worker is to heal it. So there's something that has gone amiss, and that is the basic idea. That's why we're called root doctors, right? We are fake healers. Mm -hmm. And that's been really enjoyable, working with clients in that regard, really trying to solve their problems. And that's uh, also one of the more rewarding aspects of us. I think all of us, it speaks in, of course, James can as well. When you get that client that calls you back after months, been like, Oh, I know we haven't talked, and I sort of disappeared, but I'm happily married now. And it's like, oh, wonderful. This is great news. So hearing some of that, I just got a client Wednesday it was, I think, because either Wednesday or Thursday, I forget, um, who I had not spoken to in probably 
three and a half years. They came to me for a root work a long time ago, love and crossing work. We had done a natal chart reading and had very clear that there was a cross condition present in life. It was going to be an ongoing issue. They had been divorced a couple times, had difficulty starting relationships. And so they did, we did love and crossing work almost three and a half years ago. And then I never heard from them. Never heard from them for ages. And I, you know, they received the report. They said, thank you. And then that, that was sort of it. Uh, and then I just heard from them. I was like, oh, I'm, I'm back. I'm, I just want to do a life check-in. And they set up a, a reading. And I, I was like, oh, this is really great. I haven't heard from you in a while. How have things been going? Oh, well, I should tell you, I just got married last year. Uh, <laughs> about six months after the Love Uncrossing work, I met someone. We dated for a while, got engaged. We got married just a few months ago. I'm like, oh, this is fantastic news. So it's been, it's been very positive and uplifting these past few weeks. You know, what I, what I tell my clients, I say, if, if what I say comes true, just give me a call. Just schedule 15 <laughs> minutes. Let me know if I was right or wrong. And, uh, yeah, just give it's us an interesting. Update. Yeah, but I, I have had them call back after 12 years and say, you know, oh, wow. everything you said came true, and I now have two children, and, and it's all fine, but now I have a problem. And so the only and I say, ah, you're calling me because you have another problem. Well, one problem every twelve years, that's not too bad for you. That's not too bad at all. <laughs> yeah, fate healing. I like that term, fate healing. Well, our guest today is Reverend John Saint Germain. Now, many people already know who he is. He's been on our radio show a lot, and of course, he has done his own radio show, um, the Crystal Silence League Hour, and we are going through a series of rebroadcasts of these. And uh, you can follow those on um, at Facebook or at Instagram. And there's a Crystal Silence League uh, account. And there's also Lucky Mojo will tell you when they're on. And um, so without any further ado, uh, here's Reverend John St. Germain of um, Temple of St. Germain, uh, Black Hawk Power Shrine, and uh, Divine Harmony Spiritual Church. Hi, John. <laughs> Welcome. Uh, and don't for, don't forget the uh, the corner bar and grill uh, where <laughs> where I hang out uh, occasionally um, and been known to pontificate. Uh, oh, great to be here! Thanks for having me. Um, well, glad I can be back. Yeah, um, those who who are unfamiliar with John's work, you can look him up. He's the author of Crystal Magic. And Lithomancy, two books on divination, well known as a diviner. And we were mentioning hypnotism earlier. You're a hypnotherapist, right, John? Uh, occasionally I am. Uh, I, I, for many years I did a public hypnosis demonstration uh, mm-hmm. for companies and colleges, uh, etc. And a lot of people have seen a hypnotism show. Mine went much further than a show. Uh, I brought out potential uh in people that was uh, a lot further than most hypnosis shows, you know, where people have uh, uh, bring people up and then have them do uh, kind of silly things. I mm-hmm. had people demonstrate paranormal and uh, supernormal abilities. And uh, I performed that show for almost uh, 20 years. And uh, I, I retired from it uh, many years ago to devote myself full time to the spiritual practice. <clears throat> but uh, I have done hip, hypnotherapy. Um, I've helped people lose weight, and I've helped people break habits, and 
develop confidence and relax and sleep better, um, uh, things like that. I don't uh, do some of the claims. There are people who do, uh, they call them fast phobia cures and things like that, which I, mm-hmm. I'm dubious about. Uh, uh, I don't do some of the things like that. I think there are claims made for hypnosis that I don't believe are uh, valid uh, Mm-hmm. And much hypnosis must be done in a therapeutic environment. So, mm-hmm. uh, I'm, you know, enter these relationships. Uh, I had one of my clients call me. She did a YouTube video on hypnosis, and she was really scared. Uh, it uh, brought some stuff up. And uh, those are called ab reactions mm-hmm. uh, when somebody reacts negatively to a hypnosis uh, session. And uh, mm-hmm. they're, uh, they they can... Uh, they can shake things loose that you may not want shaken loose. So, uh, always make sure whoever you're seeing is a hypnotist and somebody who read a book and likes to do this party stuff. Uh, it's uh, <laughs> mostly unregulated, and that's the thing. You know, a 12-year-old kid can learn a hypnotic induction and, you know, go uh, abuse his friends, but it, it can really shake some stuff up. So enter, enter it very respectfully. It's very mm-hmm. powerful sometimes. Well, I, I always say hypnosis is powerful, but play safely, kids. Um, yeah. Because there's there is a lot. I just was writing uh, these in the bibliographies I do are just not a just not a bibliography. They're annotated with reviews, and I just got down. I don't know if you remember George H. Estabrooks, the man who yes. invented the Manchurian yes. Candidate. Um, yes. And, uh, yes. 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 That was a that's that was a tough one to say. Well, like. Uh, you're going to want this book, except for it's really evil, <laughs> and um, and this is what the CIA used to create MK Ultra. But um, it, you know, there, there, there's books on hypnotism that go down a dark, dark rabbit hole. You know, and um, there's well, books on the, hypnotism uh, that are very good. Uh, the pickup artists, the pickup artists, you know, the PUAs use uh, hypnotic techniques that were developed by Erickson. Um, mm-hmm. You know, for seduction. Yes, that's another one. Exactly, hypnotic seduction. Mm-hmm. But um, but anyway, uh, this bibliography is kind of going going nice, and I'd like to consult with you about it because I know you have a lot of interesting information on hypnotism, and I know you've offered tapes in the past, and or CDs or audio files of um, for people to do mm-hmm. hypnotic induction for um, curing bad habits. Anyway, yes. that's uh, something that. Um, we're going to be developing a little bit more about that at the AIR site because we have a number of people in AIR who do hypnosis, and we've never built out a little introduction to it for the clientele. So, but you brought us an entirely different topic today, and that topic right. is magic beans and seeds. So I'm going to give a little introduction, yes. turn this over to you, and then uh, Conjurman will also come in and you know give a few uh, interjections. Magic beans and seeds have a long, long history. Beans and seeds are uh, little packages of life. That's miraculous. They're little plant fetuses, you could say. But they also are dormant and can be stored from year to year. Some of them can be stored 20 years. Some of them will only open when they're uh, subjected to fire or heat. Some of them will only open when they're subjected to water. Some of them will not grow where they drop from a tree, but have to fall into a river, float down the river, and float in the ocean where the salt water gets them to start thinking about coming out of their dormancy, and then when they come to land, they grow. So seeds and beans are 
amazing, and they contain the magic of life. Now, when we use seeds and beans in magic, they are often put into um, a mojo bag. They might be put into a little offering bowl. Sometimes they're carried in the pocket. And we're going to get into all of these different ways to deal with them. Beans are all members of the same family, the bean or pea family. Peas and beans are related, of course, and they're all known because they come in a pod. You know, everyone's heard of peas in a pod. But there are many, many beans and and, um, peas. Not all of them are safe to eat. Some of them are toxic, and we're going to get into that. Some of them are psychedelic. Seeds, on the other hand, is a more generic term, meaning the seeds of all plants that aren't beans, basically. (laughs) Um, (laughs) There are seeds in the celery family. There are seeds in the citrus family. There are seeds in um, just about every family. When they get a little bigger, they're called nuts. And nuts are also used in magic. And so we're going to cover all of these topics, beans, seeds, nuts, and berries. Now, berries have a little tiny seed embedded in a fleshy outer layer. They're also seeds. So that's what we're going to talk about. I'm going to turn this over to you, John. All right. Well, as you say, uh, seeds seeds are incredible. There's incredible things nature has given us. They are little life forms. And they're tiny reservoirs of power when you think about that, right? That seeds, they contain the potential of uh, all types of life, flowers, uh, mighty trees, Every seed contains a sleeping giant, and that's why we respect them so much in magic. We use, uh, we use them a lot in root work and magic. Um, uh, some seeds contain death, even. Um, there's that garden in England, uh, uh, the Alnwick Garden, is that what it's called? It contains mm-hmm. nothing but poisonous plants, nothing but poisonous plants. Um, we don't want to give anybody, anybody any ideas, though, right? Uh, and... Uh, it's no uh, surprise that um, since the earliest times, um, uh, people have recognized this and even constructed uh, fables and fairy stories about uh, magic beans and magic seeds. And uh, you know, the famous one is Jack and the Beanstalk, where he goes out to uh, sell the cow food, and in some versions he's got some money to buy food, and uh, a guy comes along and says, oh, you don't need all that. Here, look, I've got this handful of magic beans. And uh, his mother thinks he's an idiot and throws the beans out the window, and it turns out they are magic beans, and a giant beanstalk grows, and he goes up and kills the ogre and uh, uh, winds up with all the treasure. And um, uh, folklorists uh, seem to have traced that story, and this seems incredible, uh, that it may be 5,000 years old in one form or another, and and uh, penetrates wow. many different cultures in one form or another mm-hmm. about how uh you know the uh the blessed fool the lucky fool uh winds up with magic beans in what seems to be the raw end of the deal um or maybe the uh the guy that did it may have been uh, the devil or a genie or a uh, sprite of some sort giving this poor kid a break right mm-hmm. um and he winds up with these magic seeds. But there's uh, apparently a lot of stories about uh, magic plants, magic seeds um, uh, that that uh, permeate many cultures. So uh, the question arises, uh, do, do actual magic seeds exist? And uh, 
what's incredible is that when they opened up some of the Egyptian pyramids, there were grains of wheat and corn that were still viable. Wow. They yeah. Still, you, I've, not heard all that, of them. I've heard that story too, and it's interesting. Yeah. Um, there was a whole thing, it was called mummy wheat. And mummy wheat. this was mummy wheat. It was wheat that was found with mummies, and it was found to have grown. And um, it was all the rage at one point to speak about mummy wheat. <laughs> it's uh, it's in- interesting. Um, I want to throw in something about the magic beans. Mm-hmm. Um, the magic beans are are the most, I mean, of all of the different seeds, the beans have the greatest reputation. And um, it, Shiva, could you put in that URL for the red bean page? I wrote a, a whole web page on red beans as lucky beans. A lot of beans are red, and the red ones are often psychedelic, or they could be edible like kidney beans. They are a dark red, but they're really bright ones, like the ones that we used on the advertisement for this week's radio show, which is called a Bruce Precatorius. That's a P, and um, that's a psychedelic oh, uh, slash toxic, also called um, jumbies. Some people call them different uh, names, ladybug beads, crab's eyes. You know what I'm talking rosary, about. Rosary, rosary peas, yeah. Yeah, and... Yeah. Um, yeah, those are those are poison, but they've been used for good luck since ever. And most um, tribal people have some way or another to use those, either to drill them and make little uh, necklaces with them or to um, carry them in a little pouch. And um, the, the mojo beans that are found from areas spreading out from New Orleans are really an edible um, bean called a fava bean. And they were... Uh, a crop that was grown in the island of Sicily, and there was a big famine, and nothing made a crop that year, nothing. And people prayed to St. Joseph to please relieve the famine. And suddenly, of all the things that they were expecting crops from, rice, wheat, you name it, nothing made a crop, but these fava beans did. And so everyone lived on fava beans for the whole year, and they all thanked St. Joseph. So they became known as St. Joseph Mm. beans. So uh, Sicilian sailors spread out across the world in the 19th century, and they ended up, a lot of them, along the shores of the Gulf, East Coast, and the West Coast, and they were fishermen. And they had, on St. Joseph's Day, a festival where they would put out these beans. And uh, everyone, it was like a block party. Everyone put out a little altar, and they had a little dish of the St. Joseph beans, and you could take one with you, and you put them in your pocket for luck. And people did various things with them. They'd carry them for luck. If you got enough of them, you can take them home and boil them and eat them. And uh, they also were used to carry and then throw into water. Um, for instance, if you got these St. Joseph beans on St. Joseph Day from somebody who had an altar to St. Joseph out on their front yard, front porch, um, if you were out in your boat and a storm came up, you could throw the bean into the water. It would calm the water. They were sacred and they were holy and they were magical. But um, African-American people in New Orleans um, just cut right to the chase. They weren't all Catholic anyway, and they called them mojo beans. And so that's the mojo bean. It's the St. Joseph bean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, well, in India, there are these red sandalwood seeds called uh, manja dakurus, and uh, they hollow them out. They're, they're tiny, uh, maybe uh, half an inch across, and they 
they have a little stopper on the top with a little elephant carved, and you pop that off, and there's 12 tiny little ivory elephants in there. They're, yeah, they're not, marvelous. I, they're, they're like they're they're what's called vegetable ivory. They are they're the yeah. I when yeah. I was a kid, those were so popular. You could always count on some auntie or uncle or granddad to give you the. <laughs> you carry them for luck. Yeah. There is a lucky. ubiquitous culture of of luck around beans and seeds, and it's something that we find across world folk traditions. And I think this is because beans, seeds, grains, etc., have a connotation between life and death. So you find them in funerary rites almost around the world. Some form of bean, seed, grain. You mentioned, for example, uh, that they were found in the pyramids. That's absolutely true. We find them even in funerary rites uh, and rites regarding the dead. In ancient Rome, the Lemuria festival involves the use of black beans that are thrown over your shoulder in order to appease the restless spirits of the dead so that would allow the harvest come in. So like, let's say you bought a new land and you were going to harvest it or plant seeds, you would first actually scatter beans around to get rid of the sort of restless spirits known as the Lares or the, the larvae or the Lemuria. You wanted to remove these entities, the lemurs, these entities. And then once a year, you would perform a festival in which these beans were given as an offering. And you find a similar sort of funerary rites across the world where some type of bean is being offered or seeds are or grains. And so there's this idea that beans, seeds, and grains contain with them life and death, that they have a connection with the underworld, but they also have the connection to life, and that you plant them and they give birth to something. And so as a result of this connection to the liminal, I think, we start to see them as lucky, provide luck, because luck is on the edges. It's amorphous. It's this sort of weird thing we don't understand. It's sort of a crossroads force. Whether you're talking about India, ancient Egypt, the Middle East, hoodoo tradition, you will find that seeds, beans, and grains have some type of lucky connotation but when you dig deeper, there's some type of connection to the world of spirit, whether it is the underworld, the ancestors, etc. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's now, that's, that's said well, really well said. Now, with the rosary pea, in my research, because you might expect there's a, a possible book coming out of this, uh, there seems to be a, 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 a traditional charm uh, in India where you um, you put uh, seven uh, rosary peas uh, and seven grains of paradise tied in a cloth, and uh, the color cloth isn't uh, 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 recognized but or specified. But you tie this in a cloth, and it can protect you from accidents. You carry it with you, and uh, some of the sources that I see says that this charm is most effective if used within 24 hours. So it seems to imply that this is a charm you use when you're traveling. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Like on a road trip, and friends of mine who travel in India say you need something because apparently there's really no traffic laws uh, in some parts of India. Mm-hmm. So it seems to be a traveling charm, but seven. Rosary peas and seven uh, grains of paradise tied in a cloth. 
That's good. That's a good one. In the chat, it was asked about black-eyed peas and said that they thought only African-Americans ate black-eyed peas. That is not the case. Um, uh, Black-eyed peas are very common um, in the African-American culture because of British culture ways around what were suitable peas to eat. And the British believed that black-eyed peas, which they called cow peas, were inferior, and so they only gave it to cows to eat or when they enslaved people to the enslaved people. However, Africans were already eating them in Africa as good food, and so were Middle Eastern people. And among Jews, black-eyed peas are anti-evil eye because they're like a little eye bead. Mm-hmm. And so uh, there's this sort of a, a, a weird it kind of circles around and then you find white people going, Oh, black eyed peas are good for luck at the new year. And so then they decide they only eat them at the new year. Um, which is like it's, for them, it's a culture boundary because the hmm. British only ate those white Navy beans. They were the good ones that were given to the Navy. Right. So the Scottish ate red kidney beans and they served kidney beans at the new year and uh, for good luck. So, uh, culture ways um, can change something, but not too much. Black-eyed peas are very, very popular in other parts of the world, not just among African Americans. Oh, we eat them in my house all the time. <laughs> we love. Yeah. Them. Uh, yeah. Now, speaking of evil eye, that brings us to the ox eye seed, um, which is a very large round seed. It, it's a uh, oh gosh, an inch and a half across, and they grow in pods, you know, like peas do, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, they're all, all over the world uh, uh, in various forms. These um, oxide seeds uh, are a huge family of legumes, um, and there, there's many species of tropical vines. They wind around trees, you know, like snakes. Uh, there's a, uh, a species of the genus uh, Macuna, and they're in all these tropical regions. Uh, and uh, the flowers and pods are pollinated by bats, which I think is so cool. And... Uh, the uh, the pods are covered with these velvety microscopic hairs that can be very painful to get them in your eyes. But uh, in uh, in the Caribbean regions, uh, these were used as a remedy to eliminate intestinal parasites because of these hairs, right? Um, mm-hmm. And uh, those hairs apparently in nature uh, discourage seed predators. And uh, mm-hmm. but they produce these hard seeds. They're very hard. They if you if I if I handed you one of these and you didn't know what it was, you'd say, "Oh, what kind of stone is this?" But it's called the bullseye uh, because mm-hmm. it really does look like the eye of a bull. And sometimes mm-hmm. they're called sea beams because uh, yeah. they're transported. Yeah. So now what these do, um, people carry them. Um, to absorb negativity and are used as an amulet against the evil eye. And uh, they're used all around the world. In India, they're called Buddhist third eye. In Egypt, the eye of Horus. Uh, in England, the all-seeing eye. There's, uh, i got a list of names a mile long. Uh, ancient Rome, Oculus Malus. This, one, I love it. Mm-hmm. this is my Oculus Malus. Oh, my gosh. So uh, this is a charm against the evil eye. And uh, right. from the ones... Yeah, and it absorbs negativity. And there's a test. You carry this with you. And now, this is so cool. You carry it with you. And if you successfully absorbed negativity, you put it in a glass. And if it floats, you're you're good. If it sinks, somebody is thrown on you. Right. It's like a right. witch. <laughs> you know, if the witch floats, yeah. You know? mm-hmm. uh, so uh, 
But how cool is that? There's there's a lot of names for those. Uh, Ojo de Venado is another one, the eye of the deer, deer mm-hmm. sign. And yeah. um, you can also find these mixed with those little red abrus precatorius. In the days before people had, um, uh, oh, I guess you could say uh, trade in glass beads, glass sea beads, um, they would put a, together a bracelet of all these little abrus precatorius. Or there's another local kind called ormosia. And ormosia is another pea-like bean that's black and red, like an abrus, but it's bigger. And um, you can tell the difference between them because in one of them, the black goes across the crack. You know when a, when a bean breaks open, there's a little crack and it breaks open. The black goes across the crack or the black is all on one side. It's You can tell which species you're looking at. But anyway, those were put on bracelets. Ormosia is from a word that means necklace. And then the, then the big sea bean was put as the pendant. And... Um, the, there's another one that's really popular called Entada Gigas, or the Sea Heart Bean. Sea Heart, really yeah. Sea Heart. They're also called Sea Beans, but they're also called Sea Hearts. They, they don't really look like a heart, but they're big. And those are um, very, very popular for caring for good luck. And um, they they look you know a little bit like a heart. I mean, they look enough like a heart that you could think, oh, it's a heart. They're very... Um, Wonderful. They they were some of the ones I was mentioning earlier that they won't come out of their pod until they the pod rots away in water, and so they're swept down into the ocean eventually, and that's why they're called sea hearts. Oh, that's yeah, they're, great. They're, that's there's great. such a variety, such a variety. Um, I've got a huge collection of seeds that I haven't even classified yet, and it's uh, so interesting to. Uh, track the, I guess, taxonomy uh, down of these seeds. And mm-hmm. um, and I have this um, book I obtained uh, called uh, Nagombo Divination Arts of Central Africa, uh, mm-hmm. which appears to be a, uh, uh, a guidebook for a uh, exhibit. And there are casting bowls filled with uh, various objects. And among these... Uh, are found seeds, and it, uh, it is in um, uh, a language that appears to be Norwegian, and in the English translation, it describes uh, some of the divinatory techniques. And uh, among these, they shake the bowl until uh, something rises to the top, and that's the object of divination. And uh, the uh, there are objects that are crafted, carved, made, and then uh, many seeds, some of which I recognize. So this magic power of seeds uh, and the connection to spirit uh, is recognized uh, uh, among uh, Yoruba, uh, Nagambo, uh, uh, many African tribes, uh, and. Uh, it's fascinating to see the illustrations of these uh, casting bowls and the objects within and uh, mm-hmm. see how many different seeds are represented. So uh, the idea is not certainly not uh, unexplored. Um, th- those who lived close to the earth understood the language of nature and uh, the language of trees and the, the belief that uh, spirits and divas lived in trees uh, – 
certainly uh, ever present in cultures everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to make a I want to make a shout out to one of my favorite uh, tonka beans. Tonka beans are so great for uh, love workings in particular. Oh They're yes, yes, yes. South American now, in or you were going to say something? Oh no, go right ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, so they 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 have a really fantastic scent. They're actually used quite a bit in perfumery, uh, and so you the scent is extracted from them. There's a variety of traditions associated with tonka beans. The oldest that I can find was recorded by an anthropologist uh, from South America that indicated that tonka beans had to be gathered from the wild, and then you would have to find some type of uh, rope or uh, some type of, of, of thread. You would squeeze the tonka bean in your hands, praying for love and luck in love matters. Then you would knot the string around the tree three and then throw the tonka bean in the water. The string component of it seems to be unique to South America. In hoodoo, generally the tonka beans are carried for a period of days and then thrown into the water. Um, sometimes you were told that you should make one wish tonka beans, you have three tonka beans, you make one wish, two wish, three wish, and then you throw them into the river and you walk away. Other instances indicate that you should keep the tonka in a mojo bag and so long as you keep them, it will bring about the true things that you wished for in love. So it's always associated with wishes, with with love and in luck. Yeah, tonka beans are interesting because they're one of the few that are sold in commerce in their pod. That was what mm-hmm. I was going to mention. Um you can, of course, abstract the beans themselves, but the whole pot right. is um, fragrant, and so it's used um, yep. as a cheap substitute for vanilla, and mm-hmm. it uh, it smells quite a lot like vanilla. If you compare the two, you'll never be yeah. mistaken. It's like lemongrass and lemon. Lemon has an extra scent that lemongrass doesn't have. Vanilla has a whole other mm. thing going on that tonka beans don't have. But they do make right. a nice um, substitute for vanilla, and uh, mm-hmm. they are carried in a mojo and so forth. Um, it's a really great scent. If, anyone, if you ever get a chance to smell tonka beans, they're really great. Some of them also have like a, just a hint of tobacco, and maybe you you know why that is. I don't know why. But just yeah, like I, I don't know. I don't know why it is. It's a, it's a okay. different. It's lo- if you compare tonka to vanilla, and they're very very similar. Tonka is what I would call vanilla plus a lower octave, and vanilla yeah. is like tonka with more harmonies, more open fifth harmonies. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's a, I don't know. I can't describe scent very well. Um, there's there's also another bean called matchbox beans, which are another sea bean. Um, they're not from the um, uh, Americas, but they're from Australia, and they are um, people pick them up who are beachcombers, and um, you know they're sold as you know lucky lucky beans in Australia. So it's a Wonderful. I want to give a little shout out to the Ormosias also. And there's a whole um, family of Ormosias. It's big <laughs> genus, I should say, not family, a genus. They're in the pea family. The Ormosias are found um, very much in Central South America, and they are religiously and folklorically important in the Amazon area and all the way up to the Andes 
and through the Andes. And there's different species, Ormosia nobilis and um, uh, Ormosia uh, cochinea, which is red. Um, there's The ones that are completely red are sometimes called the female Ormosias because I guess they're just, that's what they call them, female. And then the ones with red and black are the more lucky ones. And these are used to make necklaces. They are toxic. They do contain DMT, so be careful. Please don't eat them. But they are found mm. in, pack, in package amulets. When you go to Bolivia or Peru, for instance, you'll get a little um, clear vinyl packet stapled, stapled together, and there'll be one of or more of those beans in it. Or they might be in cellophane packets as well. In Mexico, they're more likely to use Abrus precatorius, which is the tiny little crab eye. I was just going to say Abrus precatorius. Yeah. The, right. The Ormosias don't grow in Mexico, but the Abrus precatorius was introduced. And Abrus precatorius was introduced into the New World for a couple of reasons. One is of all the seeds in the world, the Abrus precatorius, which is little precary peas or what precatory peas, um, they are most likely to all be of the same weight. You know, when you get a pod of peas, there'll be little little ones at the ends and big ones in the middle. You've seen it, right? Um, but these are all the same, and because they're so much all the same, in India in ancient times they were used for weighing gold because pretty much anyone figured if you got one of these, it'll weigh the same as every other one. And so they became a sort of a ready way of weighing things, small things, obviously. You know, how many how many of these little beans are does it weigh? And they were lucky as well. And so they were spread um, into areas where Indians went following the British Empire, like Jamaica. Mm-hmm. And so you'll find them growing all over Jamaica. And then, of course, they spread into Mexico and, and uh, so forth. Um, Joseph Meyer, the herbalist, that was his name. He had a company called um, Indiana Botanic Gardens, and he uh, wrote a book called The Herbalist. And in his catalogs, he wrote a lot about the folkloric use of plants. And he traveled the world looking for these beans and seeds and herbs and roots and nuts and whatever he could find, straw, whatever it was that had a meaning to it that was used in medicine, but he was also interested in curios. And he told a funny story in one of his catalogs how he was in New York City at a shop that sold herbs and a woman came in who was from the West Indies, we could presume, you know, Jamaica, St. Kitts, Bermuda, something like that. And she came in And there was a little jar, he said, of these little red beans, which he'd never seen before. And he said, she shouted, and and she said, I must have them. And he said, can't I even have one just to identify them? She said, no, I must have them all. I haven't seen these since I left the island. These are good luck for everybody. And she walked off with the whole jar of them and bought them all. And so he became interested in them, and he began to carry them in his uh, curios. But I love that story. She recognized them all the way up in Harlem. Mm. Uh, we should mention that Purgatorius is toxic, and in Ayurveda it's generally used with castor oil and heated to a very high degree in order to make uh, its toxin a little more innocuous, a little bit easier to use. In Central and South America, it's found in a lot bottle charms you'll find these are small medicine bottles that are very small some of them um we're talking like some of them are like 
three centimeters at, at most. Uh, and mm-hmm. you can see them. They're, they're sometimes called ladybug seeds uh, or crab mm-hmm. seeds. They're a little red. Sometimes they're black, a little dot of black. And they're put in there, and they're found in matchbox charms, in these sort of shrines that are saran-wrapped, uh, these little mm-hmm. shrines that usually have pictures of the saints, lucky charms in there, like uh, various images. And then you'll see a couple of seeds. They're almost always... Uh, and they're also very popular in South America, where they're used in Macumba, Kimbanda, Candoble, and Umbanda as an offering to the issues. Uh, and they're very magical, but they're almost always associated with the sort of uh, tension between good luck and bad luck. Theme that we keep mm-hmm. seeing with seeds and being and one as they sort of order this liminality. They they bring in the good, but they're also kind of associated with, with keeping away the bad, connection with spirits. So there's this thing that's almost found across the globe with seeds, beans, and grains in which they kind of, they are, they operate in this really weird liminal space. Mm-hmm. So um, Ranga Shiva posted, I had a whole necklace of them and I thought that mm. was lucky and protective. But I'll tell you, Nagashiva, your necklace was Ormosia, not a Bruce. And um, the Ormosias are larger, um, but also the black is on a different part of the little mm. seed shell. And um, Ormosia means necklace. And that's it's called that because when the uh, European colonists and slavers and um, general all-around fascists came to Central and South America, they saw people wearing necklaces of them. So they said these are the necklace mm-hmm. beads, and so they called them Ormosia. Mm-hmm. And uh, a bruce is, is, can be used to make a, a, a little bracelet, but more likely even a bracelet would be made with Ormosia. And uh, there's a... there's yes. a, 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 a They are also slightly toxic. They have an LSD-like substance in them. In um, uh, Some uh, explorers who were Germans were traveling through the Amazon and asked people, what do you do with them? And they said, well, you know, we we used to use them for uh, for an initiation ceremony. It was very dangerous. Some people would die. But it's, uh, mm-hmm. you know, you see visions. And they yep. said, what do you mean you used to? Did you stop? And they thought you stopped because you became Christians, right? And the guy said, no, no, we found that whiskey was much safer. <laughs> <laughs> so they they took some Ormosia seeds and they ground them up and they fed them to their faithful, trusty German shepherd dog okay. to see if it would kill him. Can you imagine these... What, heartless people these guys were so they, the, the, and they said they gave it to the German shepherd they accounted for his weight versus the weight of an average native uh, American right? and they cut down the dose accordingly and the dog lay still in a coma for six hours with its eyelids fluttering every once in a while it groaned or oh, barked dear. and then it woke up and it was perfectly fine so they might have overdosed it a little bit, but apparently it had a six-hour trip full of um, dreams and sensations, and it did survive. And uh, who knows what um, what religion it initiated that German Shepherd into? I think about it often. <laughs> so the kids, don't try this at home. Not safe. No, no. <laughs> but it is interesting that both Hamas and Ambrose are associated with this older initiatory right. I wonder if they, they, there's is that the reason why they're used interchangeably is that they were initially both used 
as a sort of initiatory seed and herb. But because in other parts of the world. See, the abruce is actually an introduction into Mexico, and it comes across from the Gulf from the West Indies with the Hindu yep. Yep. people that were brought. Yep. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Armosia is the Native American um, one. Right. And, Do you think but, that they adopted a Bruce to Hermosia? They adopted it, yes, uh, at, to, to use it for luck. And it's usually put into, like you said, a little tiny miniature bottle right. or a little vial of some sort or into a packet. But the Ormosia was the indigenous one. Um, mm-hmm. Look for the name Velma, V-E-L-M-A, Rudd, R-U-D-D. And um, Velma Rudd wrote the book on Armosias. I'm sure you can get it at your local university library. I know they have a copy at the University of Texas Herbarium. I had to pay by the page to photocopy the entire freaking thing. <laughs> anyway, it's it's a, a whole book just on Armosias. It's an amazing book. It includes folklore as well as um, botanical information. And only someone like you, Conjurman, would care, right? I was actually, I was totally writing it down. <laughs> I muted myself <laughs> so no one could hear me, so no one could hear my clicking of the of the computer. But well, I'll tell you what, down. you guys talk for a minute, and I'll get you the full title. <laughs> Hang on a second. You you keep talking. I was I was, I was definitely t- typing in. Uh, it is interesting that that we can see that how toxic seeds and toxic uh, beans are sometimes used to be lucky. Right, seeds that are hallucinogenic or, or toxic um, are used as a luck. And again, this seems to be this association with seeds, beans, and grains with that you know boundary between life and death. Um, there's a lot of mythology that talks about how the world kind of comes out of a seed. That the seed is really birth of all of creation, and so it holds all of creation in itself. So whether it's toxic or not with uh, whether it's spiritual life, literal life, and that's why they're often associated with luck. You carry the seeds of luck in your pocket. You carry the seeds of luck in a mojo bag. You plant the seeds of luck. Uh, I wanted to ask John this, if he came across any folk tradition, because we do find it in hoodoo, planting seeds, not just carrying them or using them as an amulet, but the planting of seeds as a magical act and the planting of seeds as luck. We know about Jack the Beanstalk, but there's also other traditions in regards to that. Right, John? Hi, I'm back. Welcome back. <laughs> I think we lost John Tinjamin. <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> Carry on, folks. <laughs> I think John, are you that... there? No, I oh. think we've lost John St. Germain. Yeah, we've lost oh, no, John. No, I had it. I had it on mute because we had a oh, uh, okay. hailstorm here, and uh, oh no. Uh, well, uh, we did. It, it's passed now, but for a while there, we had this furious hailstorm. Big uh, hailstones were hitting all the windows, and some. I guess it sounded on your end like popcorn or something. Uh, yeah, we, uh, yes. we heard it. Yeah, we heard it. We thought it was like someone shuffling cards or someone popping corn. Yeah. Oh. yeah that's what it sounded like. Oh, it, you should have been here. It was like, bam, 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 bam. And, uh, but it's past now, but it was pretty exciting here for a minute, so I put the phone on mute. Uh, I forgot to take it off. Um, oh, okay. Yes. Uh, I just, I, let I me just a, finish what I was – hold on. Let me just finish what I was saying to um, – Contraband. Uh, it's called the American species of Ormosia, mm. and the woman's name is Velva, V E L V A E Rudd. 
um, really good. Right. It's a it's a book that just I don't know what can I oh, say. Oh, it came right up. I have it. There we go. Okay, thank you. You have it in your library? No, I have it. Uh, I found it, and it's only available uh, for twenty dollars at ABE Books. Oh, fantastic! Totally worth it. You'll you'll love it. I I paid more than twenty dollars to photocopy <laughs> it 20, thirty years ago. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Onward. So go ahead. Take it away, John. Uh, yeah, I was looking furiously for this uh, reference I read, and it's in probably a book I can't find, but um, a story about where um, uh, I want to say it was uh, in one of the Cherokee stories, but uh, a man's uh, beloved wife died, and he begged uh, the gods to give her back, and they said, take uh, – the spirit gave him a seed and said, go take this and cultivate it, and he did, and the seed grew into his uh, departed wife. Um, and I cannot – it's like a Pygmalion story, right? But I cannot philosophy find that. And uh, But I believe that I've also read – the thing is I've read too much. I, I read some spells where you, uh, uh, you, you took seeds and you held them in your hand and you uh, – you asked. You made a wish and planted it, and as the flower grew, your wish was granted. Um, you, you may wish for prosperity. You may wish for love to come, and you um, uh, wish that into seeds. And uh, I seem to recall vaguely. Uh, I recall uh, as a child, a um, there was this couple that lived next door, uh, Otto and. Uh, uh, his wife, I, 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 the name will come to me. I had this long COVID. My brain is not, still not working right. About taking mm-hmm. a handful of seeds and making a wish and throwing it over your left shoulder like salt. And as the flowers grew, um, uh, your your uh, life would, uh, you know, your wishes would come true. Mm-hmm. Well, we've got about a minute left, so I want to summarize a little bit here. The mm-hmm. major uses of beans are for luck in love or success in money, for, and the major ways to use them is to carry them in a container of some sort, mm-hmm. in a mm-hmm. pocket, a mojo, tied in a handkerchief, and a little bottle. They are um, very much a part of the culture of Everywhere. I mean, India, mm-hmm. Indonesia, South America, North America, everybody has beans or seeds of some sort that are used. So think about them. They're also offered as offerings, altar offerings. And one of the ways to deploy them is to throw them into water, if, especially if they are beans, because, hey, they might float, they might float and plant themselves. But you can also plant them and grow things from them if you want to. Uh, growing a garden is a good act, uh, and growing a garden with beans in it is always good. And that's a, that's the major way that those are used in folk magic. And I hear our music way, way in the background. There we go. Um, Dr. Sweet says, don't take a three-bean soup from someone you don't know well because they could be castor beans in the mix. I've never heard of that. That's terrible because castor uh, beans are very laxative. Um, All right. Well, here we are. Thanks, Reverend James, for your patience. And how about we go to our client? Thank you, Miss Kat. 
Support for this program is provided by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and located online at luckymojo.com, and by the Association of Independent Readers and Root Workers, AIR, a directory of ethical and authentic contra practitioners located online at readersandrootworkers.org, and by Hoodoo Psychics, the first psychic hotline run entirely by Hoodoo practitioners. Receive a reading with a trusted root worker instantly. Call 1-888-4-HOODOO or visit hoodoopsychics.com. And by the Crystal Silence League, a free online prayer service of the Association of Independent Spiritualist Churches located online at crystalsilenceleague.org. Now it's time to go to the phones and talk to today's client. Our caller is Rhonda from Illinois, calling from area code 618. Rhonda, are you there? Hello, I'm here. Hello, welcome. You indicated that you had no readings on this situation, is that correct? Yes. Okay. And she writes, Will my son and I reconcile and have a relationship? I haven't seen my grandson and son in five years because of their immature actions and unrealistic expectations of me that caused my bad reaction that was worse. Turning it over to you, Miss Kat. All right. Wow, that's a very interesting question. Um, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions, Rhonda. What is your sign of the zodiac? I'm a Sagittarius. Mm-hmm. And um, what about your son? He's a Leo. I mean, no, I'm sorry, a Virgo. He's a Virgo. Virgo. And what about your grandson? He is a Taurus. Hmm. Okay. Well, I'm going to just speak briefly on that, and then I'm going to um, turn this over to Conjurman for a reading. Okay. The, the Sagittarius you is more likely mm-hmm. to react in such a way that you want to leave a situation. The Virgo is going to be someone who wants things to go in an orderly way, but if they don't, they'll just keep their emotions tamped down. The Taurus, the grandchild, uh, wants beauty and pleasure, things that are fun, but is also pretty stubborn and might be hard to turn around. So I'm going to turn this over to Contraman for a reading. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, Rhonda, just a couple of clarifying questions. First, how old is your grandson? He is nine now. He's nine years old. How, and, and how long has it been since you've had uh, any communication or contact? Uh, last summer he sent me some pictures of his vacation, and that's that's all. It was just a few texts okay. and some pictures. That was it. Okay. So I pulled a few cards here, and I'm going to tell you what they say. Some of these may be difficult to um you know, absorb, so be patient, listen to the wisdom that is being shown through spirit here. I would highly recommend that you re-listen to this episode at a later date um, to help really get an understanding of what's being said. The very first card that we have here is the Two of Swords, and the Two of Swords shows is a woman who is in a difficult position. This is a woman who is blindfolded, sitting and down on a bench, and she has two swords crossing her chest, and behind her is a moon. This is a person who may not know the way forward, who is blind to the path before her, but the reality is that she can remove the blindfold and step forward into the light, that she does have options, even if she doesn't realize she has options. The wording of your question here is a little bit telling. You mentioned that you reacted in a bad way, but 
yes. you place the blame to a certain extent on them and their immature actions. Because of their immature actions, I react. Yes. Now, there's yes. no doubt that it takes two people to fight, and there's no doubt that the other person can be at fault. But you can't control another person. What you can do is control your reaction. And while you are indeed uh, completely in your right to feel hurt, to feel upset, your reaction is still yours, and you make a decision about that. And so part mm-hmm. of this uh, healing process is going to involve taking some level of accountability for your reactions, for what you said, uh, but even things like say, oh, they have unusual expectations of me or ridiculous expectations of me, that these type of questions often indicate something. They indicate the locus of blame. And that means healing involves an element of accountability. Healing involves an element of letting go. As the Two of Swords indicates, you must uncross yourself. You must remove that blindfold. And that is not an easy process. That's not an easy process because that, the other person may not be willing to say, I'm sorry. The other person may not be willing to say, oh, yes, I was in the wrong. But regardless of whether mm-hmm. they're willing or not, you must be able to where you were in the wrong and where you made the mistakes and where you caused the harm, even if they are not. Even if they are to blame and they're unwilling to recognize that part of their blame, you must recognize mm-hmm. your portion of it. And that is the beginning step. It involves with you recognizing that harm has been done to change the locus of the blame, stop framing this as they did this, and instead a recognition of I have done this and this is what I'm going to address the things that I have done. You can't address the things they've done. That's on them. They're adults. Yeah, they figure I have. It out. I, I have. Either, either they figure yeah. it out or they don't. It's up to them. They've got to be adults about it. But what you can do is address you. You start there. This involves a level of accountability. You might even consider doing uh, an unsent letter approach at first, something where you write out, and Miss Cat can she knows exactly what I'm talking about when it comes to this. Mm-hmm. But you can you can start with mm-hmm. something like that to address and unblindfold yourself. That should then lead to the next, which is the building of a connection between the two of you. Okay. So the next card is the Temperance. The Temperance shows us an archangel, a powerful solar being, standing on the shore, one foot in the water, one foot on land pouring water between these goblets or joined together. You have a blood connection with these people. This is a spiritual bond that is not easily severed. Years and years may be passed, but that spiritual bond may always be revived. The family connection is a sacred one. It's one recognized okay. universally every single religion, right? It's okay. recognized, I mean, mm-hmm. it's in the Bible itself. It is an immensely powerful connection. It can be revived if you invoke it in the name of spirit with good faith, with honesty and transparency and a true desire for reconciliation. It can be revived. So you start by first recognizing your position, what you have done, what you can do to address it. You then move forward to say, I am open to healing and reconnecting and building this relationship and asking for spirit to intervene and doing magical work around that as well as the psychological and emotional work. And should this happen, the answer is yes, you will reconnect for the final card is the Wheel of Fortune. The Wheel casts some individuals down and some it raises up. Just as things are at their lowest now, it will once more raise up and you will be restored into the life of your grandchild. So the answer here is yes, but it's going to take a lot of emotional and spiritual work. With that, I turn it over to John St. Germain. Very good. Thank you. 
Oh, thank you. Thank you, Conjure Man. Thank you. Uh, well, Rachel, I'm, I'm throwing seeds here. Uh, this is a system I'm developing based on my lithomancy reading, so I'm going to take a take a shot at it. Um, I'm seeing I'm seeing a fascinating um, chain of events here. Uh, I mean, they line up almost perfectly. Um, how did you get along with the mother of the children? Um, she didn't like me. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, she, she was um, beautiful. She's beautiful, absolutely stunning. Okay, but, and I did like her, but she didn't like me. <laughs> right. Uh, there's there's a rivalry, and um, and uh, the son kind of in the middle there. And I believe that for one thing, um, the the toxic seed here is between you and your son. And that's mm-hmm. clearly shown in the reading. Um, yep. The toxic seed is here. And until there's a reconciliation between you and the daughter-in-law, uh, there cannot be peace in that house. Uh, mm-hmm. there, there just can't be. So uh, I think your son does want reconciliation with you. Uh, mm-hmm. this, this seems clear to me. The, uh, yeah, my uh, spirit guide told me that, but I don't know how to get there. Oh gosh! That. Well, oh, you're looking at a, at a difficult situation. Uh, yeah. Uh, she she wants uh, the son and the grandchildren for herself. You know, she's she's got like a hostage mm-hmm. situation here. She does oh, not yeah. want you involved because your son mm-hmm. loves you, um, but she wants everything, right? You know, she she, she did she's that a hoarder. To the first grandchild. Yeah, the first grandchild's uh, mother. Our grandmother, she did the same thing that them too. Oh Lord have mercy! You know, um, same thing. Um, oh my gosh! You know, and that, that's <laughs> a difficult situation. Uh, oh my gosh! Miss yeah. uh, uh, Cat will have work for that, but you know, th- there's your problem in a nutshell. And uh, mm-hmm. uh, you're going to have to fight for your son. And uh, but your strategy, uh, I believe. Yes, she's very beautiful. She's spoiled. She's used to getting everything she wants. And yep, yep. I believe your, your strategy is going to have to be uh, subterfuge. You know, you're going to have to uh, go in the side door. Uh, I think direct confrontation, all that's going to do is build the anger in, in your son. You know, she, he, she's right. cast you as a villain, the villain of the story. And there's no way you're going to win this by, you know, the, the more you uh, go uh, a direct assault, the more she mm-hmm. goes, see, I'm right. See, your mom's trying to break mm-hmm. this up. See, your mom's trying to get, mm-hmm. and and uh, so there's going to have to be subterfuge here. Uh, uh, the uh, the sweet approach. Oh my goodness gracious! So uh, okay, um, okay. This is this is going to take step by step strategy over time to get him to see uh, the scorpion that he's married to. And and to say, you know, mom has the right to see her grandkids and uh, stand up to her. But when he does stand up to her, there are uh, sanctions imposed. And uh, he's uh, been conditioned and trained that these sanctions can be very awful. Uh, so uh, mm-hmm. I think that, that's really all I've got to say. He's, uh, he's Ali. a wealthy business owner. He's a very wealthy business owner. And very good at it. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, well, you know the thing is, a man, a man can be a, a tiger at the office and be a pussycat at home. Oh, yeah. I think that's how he is, too. <laughs> he can come home and lay down. Uh, 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 you, you know, uh, I tell you, um, yeah, he can go out there and be a tiger in, in, the, in the 
in the business area and then come home and mm-hmm. she says she says jump he says how high she's uh, yeah, she's got him terrified yeah and mm-hmm. uh and uh but i think it can it can be fixed yeah it can be fixed i see reconciliation i got the black IP at the end so yeah it can be oh, fixed okay. uh, emphasis should yeah. the emphasis really needs to be here on reconciliation i got to just jump in here I, the emphasis yeah. has to be yeah. on reconciliation okay. this is it if must. you treat this as a war if you treat this as a war with this other woman you are going to lose it will not no, work I've well. lost already. Yeah, harm, it won't work. Harm, harm, won't work. harm has already been done, and it, there mm-hmm. needs to be a recognition of the harm that you've also done in this part. Healing. Yeah. Healing is right. the key. You're never going to make this woman probably your best ally, but what you can do is heal the family. The family bonds here must triumph over everything else. Okay. You're not going to be in a direct confrontation. That won't work. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. This has got to be subterfuge. You got to go in there with honey in your mouth, you know. And, uh, mm-hmm. uh-huh. uh, you got you got to swallow your pride, basically, and go in there with honey in your mouth. And uh, 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 I know I know she it's going to spoil with nice things. She likes nice things. Yeah. And I'm disabled. Yeah. I can't afford to buy her the nice things she likes. <laughs> you know what I mean? So but all I can do is. We're going to get to the root work now, all right? So yeah, let me jump in it. and have a chance here, too. Thanks. Okay. All right. So okay. um, the cards that Contraman had were very evocative to me. Um, the card of the Two of Swords says that you need to see more clearly. And right. it's a good time to do this is when the moon is new. In the card, there's a picture of a little crescent moon. After the dark of the moon comes the crescent moon. And the next, go look online and see when the moon is dark, or what they call new. And then three or four days after, I want you to do a little bit of work on yourself. I want you to get an herb. It's called hyssop, H-Y-S-S-O-P. And I want you to take a little of that herb and just make a tea out of it, um, about if you buy a packet of it, use a half of the packet and put it in some okay. water. Don't boil it. Just put pour hot water over it. Let it steep. And then some of it you can add a little bit of water to and drink. And then the rest of it, that tea, I want you to bathe with it. If you can't pour it over yourself in the bathtub or shower, at least wash your hands and face with it. But you would definitely want to wash your eyes. And you're going to say Psalms number 51 which says, purge me with hyssop, though my sins be scarlet, they shall be whiter than snow. And this is to take responsibility for anything you did and to open up your eyes, okay? Because you may have done, as you said, you you reacted and that was not a good thing. Once you've cleansed yourself with just pure hyssop tea and um, and, and have, have uh, done this at, at the time of the new moon, you might have some hyssop left over. You could do it a little bit more of it. You could make it into three batches and do it on three uh, different days, for three weeks, however you feel like it, you know, or you could do it on three days in one week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, however you feel. But I want you to do that for start. And when you wash yourself, cross your arms. If you look at the card, Two of Swords, go look it up online. The woman has her arms crossed across her chest like an X. And I want you to bathe in such a way that you uncross your arms and smooth them down. And as everything goes around, you say, I'm removing this condition from me. I'm removing it. I'm removing it. Every bit you stroke down till you get to your heels, to your toes, and you say, it all go- it's all over. It goes away. Now, once you've cleansed yourself that way, I want you to, for every member of the family, I know you've got you, your son, his wife, and a child. Is that who that family yes. consists of? Are there other children? Okay, that's that. Yes. Oh, older All child, right. and then uh, she adopted her her little her sister's daughter. So there's actually three kids in my son and her now. 
Okay, all every child, you want to make a candle for every child. And these can be little four-inch candles for the children. And then for, for the adults, you can use a six-inch candle because they're taller. Right? And for yourself, I'd like you to use a nine-inch candle because you're the grandmother, right? So a nine-inch candle and you got two six-inches and you got three little four-inch candles. And I'd like them all to be white. That's pure. It's easy. It's simple. And um, I want you to lay them out with yourself at the center and then the the two of them um, facing you as if they were people. They'd be the two of them side by side, so it makes a triangle. And then the little mm-hmm. children, uh, card, uh, not cards, uh, candles, would be like a little arc between them. One, two, three. Right? So okay. now you have a pattern. Say that again. That could... Say that again. Okay. A triangle. How do I do the you, triangle? You're at the yes. top of the triangle. If there's a triangle facing upward, you're at the top. The two of them are below you, one left and one right. You see? Okay. And then yes. in between them, like a little arc, just the three, like making a little circle between them. Oh, okay. Okay. I got it. Or you can make a straight line. About. I prefer it to be an arc. So these okay. are okay. the, uh, you see, it's it's like a little, um, it's like a little pedigree tree, if you see what I'm saying. It's, it's, yeah, I see what you're talking about. Family yeah, tree. I, I can get that. Okay. <laughs> so you're at the top. I want you to use peaceful home oil. I'm going to give you a list of oils here. Peaceful home oil, reconciliation oil, and clarity oil. And you're going. If you want a fourth one, it could be return to me oil. And you're going okay. to. Um, Mix those oils together and dress those candles. On every candle, you're going to carve your prayer. Just use a needle or the point of a knife and just put their names on it. This is, you know, this is my candle, and um, I will show love. I will show love. Don't say, you better respect me, or else say, I will show love. And each one, you say, this is so-and-so, and it says, we'll show love, right? And, um, and the children, you know, will be blessed and will show love. Okay. Now, for each one of these um, candles, I also want you to get... Um, some little stone or an object. You can get a stone that represents their sign of the zodiac. You could get a coin from the year that they were born. That's what I prefer to do. You might have to go okay. to a coin shop or go I online. I got all those. I yeah. got all those. Oh, I got you, you got the coins of the year. Okay. Uh, okay, well, you put a coin from each of the year that they were born under their candle. Oh, and, um, okay. and now okay. in that triangle, in the center of that triangle, I'm going to want yeah. you to put a little bowl and in that bowl, I'd like you to put some uh, papers on which you've written your prayer. Just, you know, write your prayer out. Maybe we all dwell in harmony together, whatever it is, your prayer. And when you're done, when the candles are burned, take the coins and wrap them up in that petition paper. Okay? And you're going to put that away somewhere amongst your jewelry or under your bed or someplace safe. Um, that's your prayer all wrapped up with the coin that represents each one of you. You can oil those coins, too, with the same oils. Now I want you to get a, make a present for each of the children. The present should not be clothes. The clothes are outgrown and thrown away. Um, if they're not on good terms with you, it can't be food either. So it should be some sort of a nice present that's in the form of something from nature, a cluster of crystals or something like that. Send one to each child with your prayers, and that's opening the door. And we're out of time, so I could go on, but that's it. <laughs> okay? Wonderful, wonderful. All right. Well, next we're going to have our network schedule announcement.
But um, I hope you come back and we'll talk some more about ways to get the family back together again. All right, uh, take it away with our network schedule announcement. The LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rootwork Hour with Catherine Ironwood and Conjurman Ollie, Sundays, 3 to 4.30. The Crystal Silence League Hour with John St. Germain, Tuesdays, 5 to 6. The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Phoenix Le Fay, Fridays, 1 to 2. And Blue Flag Root Radio with Lady Muse, Fridays, 7 to 8. All time specific, add three hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. And now it's time for our free spell segment from our special guest, Reverend John St. Germain of johnstgermain.com in Knoxville, Tennessee. Take it away, Reverend John. Oh, thank you, Reverend James. Uh, this is a this is a spell to get you a uh, uh, well just a, a sexual partner not a love partner not a permanent partner this is a friend with benefits and uh, oddly enough I've been getting more and more requests for that um, there are people not looking for a, uh, a true love they just looking to uh, I, the term is hook up I guess but uh, you need three cardamom seeds three dried uh, cubeb berries three coriander seeds, and uh, if you want to, some come-to-me oil. You can use that if you want to. And um, we're going to use the Song of Solomon uh, 6, verse 3. So you tie these uh, these seeds in a red cloth. You, you can have a petition uh, if you want to, uh, and you put one of your hairs to attract a sexual partner. And uh, you can treat the petition with the uh, come-to-me oil if you like to. And uh, over this parcel, you will recite uh, the Song of Solomon 6, verse 3, which is, Who is that cometh out of the wilderness like pillars of smoke, perfumed with myrrh and frankincense with all power, powders of the merchant? And you just carry this on you when you go uh, looking for the sexual partner. Now, you can draw a specific person. Uh, it's, this mixture is designed uh, to incite lust. In a person, uh, not love, you know, not n- nothing complicated, just lust. And uh, if you have someone in mind, you put your name on the petition, and of course you say it as you uh, recite the Song of Solomon. And um, it's a very simple thing. I've uh, modified this from a Matchbox spell. It's going to be in the Matchbox book, but very simple. Uses seeds, um, and uh, from what I understand, it seems to work pretty well. Wow. All right. That's a really uh, a really interesting one. The use of the Song of Solomon for love magic mm. is very, very widespread in the Jewish community, different portions of it. That's a good one. Yeah. That's, that's a, a one I like a lot. I have nothing I would add to that. I think it's perfect just the way it is. <laughs> what do you think? I love, the use, I love the use of cardamom seeds. I use them quite a bit in, in magical workings, and they are... Very efficacious for uh, lust work. Very efficacious. Yeah, cardamom. Uh, cardamom is used um, to sweeten the breath. It is uh, used to spice up tea. It has a lot of good uses. So does cubeb berries, which are a kind of pepper, um, sometimes called tailed pepper. 
and coriander is in the uh, uh, oh the uh, parsley and anise family. Um, I look at those three and and I, I think, well, you could almost uh, just use chai. <laughs> it's got a little bit of a <laughs> You sure could. Nutmeg and chai too, right? Um, well, drinking chai is supposed to excite lust. It's it's a it's a yeah. It's a stimulant, is, but the things it has in it are all lust filled. Yeah. Which is funny because they serve chai in the lobbies of uh, Tibetan uh, monasteries. Well, they're probably getting it on with their goddess or something. Mm, mm, mm. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> maybe that was a disrespectful know. thing to say, but I know they do. They do have uh, thought forms. I think they call them. Um, right. But yeah, they that the um, cardamom has a lot of uses in love magic. It's really, mm-hmm. really a good one. Um, if I was going to add anything to this, I'm I'm not sure, but that I might add. Um, a couple of anise seeds, perhaps that would be for psychic vision. That's about the only thing I, I would thought add about. To I thought it. about that. Yeah, you dream about. Uh, you can put it on your pillow. Dream about. Yeah, and I thought about anise. Yeah, it's a good one. Um, and to, to draw someone to you, as you said, what what was the words you you quoted that from? Like p- pillars of mist, you said. Oh, uh, pillars of smoke. Pillars of smoke. Oh, I want that imagery. Frankincense and myrrh, of course. Yes. yes. Perfumed with frankincense and myrrh. Yeah, so they're talking about burning incense. So you could right. you could burn burn frankincense and myrrh in two different little containers as you put this together too. You actually literally would make those pillars of smoke. Wouldn't that be nice? That'd be I nice have... to fumigate the uh the little parcel. It's a little uh comet tail bag. Yeah, you yeah. wear it wear it around your neck. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's great. I I love it when when I read Bible passages that you look at them and if you don't think of them as religious but as a an instruction manual, you all of a sudden begin to see what is being said, right? Well, you know, they 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 often are magical instructions in the Bible. And of course there are some people who think that's sacrilegious, but what what did it say it was frankincense and myrrh? Did it say anything else? Um, with all the powders of the merchant. The powders of the merchant. Well, I know. Isn't I that interesting? Isn't that interesting? That's very interesting. Yeah. So I'm thinking. Well, you know, a little bit of come to me incense, right? Incense mm-hmm. powder. <laughs> yeah. Throw a little bit or, of that or, on the frankincense and the myrrh. Yeah. Yeah. Far or out. or uh, dust the seeds with it. You know, come to powder. With it. Yeah, that's or right. Dust too. yourself. Um, you know, frankincense is frankincense is very solar, very masculine incense. Myrrh is very mm-hmm. feminine and dark. It's a great. I mean, I'm already seeing a whole thing here set up. It's out of oh, yeah. out of such a, a beautiful little passage from the Bible. It works very very well. Oh, it's a it's a great passage. Um, there's, you know, that that whole. Um, the whole song of Solomon is instruction manual on the, um, how, how to how to uh, seduce, keep, get, keep, um, bring uh, back, you know, lo, lo, yeah. bring back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's yeah. full of it's full of stuff. Yeah, and add to that the forty fifth Psalm, which I always say was the uh, the song they cut from the Broadway production of the Song of Solomon. <laughs> 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 that 45th Psalm belongs right in there, but it's just not in there for some reason. It got put into that uh, bootleg album called the 
the book of Psalms. <laughs> so, but um, yeah, that's a, the Song of Solomon has a long reputation for use that way. If you look at my book, um, Paper in My Shoe, there's a version of the Song of Solomon where you write it out as a labyrinth. And uh, you do the, you actually, after you write it out, which takes forever, then you get to work the labyrinth, and that is to get somebody into your life. Anyway, it's an old-fashioned right. way to work. It's an old-fashioned uh, German-Jewish uh, spell. All right, well, there's our music. So we're going to turn this over to Reverend James. He's going to give us our closing announcements. And thank you, everybody, for coming out for the show. We've got a lot of people here in the chat room, and I don't think I have time to mention you all, but um, we're happy that you're all here. Let's see what Reverend James mm-hmm. has to say. Thank you, Miss Cat and Conjurman, and thank you for thank you, John St. Germain of uh, JohnStGermain.com in Knoxville, Tennessee, for being our special guest this week. We invite you to join us next week when our show will be an Oracle Hour with another fine guest. Once again, we've come to the end of another Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour, brought to you by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California. You can find Miss Cat via the Lucky Mojo Forum at forum.luckymojo.com and Conjureman at conjuremanconsulting.com in Mission Viejo, California. I'm your announcer, Reverend James, joining you from folkconjure.com in Western North Carolina. The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour can be heard every week live on Blog Talk Radio at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern Time. And the shows are available in archive via luckymojo.com forward slash radio show dot html. From all of us at Lucky Mojo, I'd like to thank you for being here and invite you to tune in once again next week at the same time when you will hear the familiar strains of the Memphis Jug Band playing the Jug Band Walk. Thank you, everybody. Goodbye. Thank you so much. And um, thank you, James, for being our uh, guest announcer. I believe we're going to have uh, our regular announcer, Clifford, back next week, I hope. And um, yeah. in the meantime, oh, we, we are going to be bringing you an Oracle Hour, and we are winging it till we get there, so stay tuned. <laughs> um, and uh, I guess... Uh, Let's see, what else is new? Oh, make sure you go to Hoodoo Psychics um, at Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Hoodoo Psychics on a Monday. Go every Monday. Sign up for your free reading. Hoodoo Psychics gives a free reading away every Monday. They need more people to sign up. It'll be more fun. Um, and um, it's really great. They just You can sign up and get any one of the Hoodoo Psychics. will take your uh, reading and take your call. You can choose. Okay? I think that's about all I have to talk about tonight so good night good night good night bye